Tia Stokes is a 35-year-old mother of five kids who was diagnosed on April 24th, 2020 with acute myeloid leukemia, and she's been documenting her journey every day since of fighting cancer. She has a fiercely loyal following of supporters who dance and cheer her on and are inspired daily by her positive attitude and dedication to her family and faith and looking for the good in everything. Tia is a dancer, choreographer, and owner of two dance studios and former backup dancer to celebrity singer Beyonce. No big deal. Tia has shared the raw and real ups and downs of having cancer, getting COVID and pneumonia, needing a bone marrow transplant, and also losing her mother after her first round of chemo. This interview was one of the most inspiring stories I've ever heard. And if you need some positive motivation to just keep going, no matter what trial you're facing in life, this episode is just for you. I have a new friend with me today and her name is Tia Stokes. And I have just admired and loved her so much from afar for quite a while now and I'm so excited to have the chance to talk to her today and share her love and joy with so many of you. So Tia, say hi and tell us a little bit about you, who you are and what you do and all of, all of those things. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm Tia Stokes. I'm a mother of five, uh, major legend, Mays Taz and Rose. I am married to the handsome Andrew Stokes. I'm 35 years old, just turned 35 years old, just barely. And 273 days ago, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And so I have been sharing my journey and documenting my experiences uh, because I know that one day I will beat this and ring that bell and I will be able to see the fight that was in it and um, how hard I actually fought. So I love documenting the good days as well as the bad and the hard, ugly days that give me strength and help me to rely on my savior and my heavenly father. And um, I'm grateful to be here. I try to choose happiness every day, no matter the circumstances that I'm going through. I know that happiness is a choice and that's something that's free agency that we've been given. And um, all I, do, I hope that my story and my experiences can be able to shed light and love to all those around me. So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. <laughs> Um, absolutely amazing. Your story is so inspiring and I can't wait to get into it. I want to ask you what you were doing before your diagnosis, like what life looked like for you, what you were up to and what your husband does and, um, kind of get a little bit of background there. Yeah. Well, I'm a very busy mom. I own two dance studios. Well, I, as you know, I have five kids yep. and, um, I was actually pregnant before my diagnosis, uh, with my fifth baby, which is our only girl. We have four boys and one little girl. And I was teaching dance classes. I just opened up a, a studio up in Orem, Utah. Mm -hmm. I have one in St. George that I've had for 13 years. And we just opened one in Orem. Um, our studios are dedicated to service and dancing for a cause. So they're not like competition-based studios. They, we actually choose a family within the community that's going through a real life calamity, such as cancer or needing a transplant or something of that nature, something that life is, you know, given us a challenge and we dedicate and dance for those families in need. And we donate a hundred percent of our concert fees our concerts and um, fundraisers to those families. So I was super active and busy 
busy choreographing, performing, um, teaching. I was teaching all the time at nighttime Mm -hmm. and early mornings. I was waking up at 4 a.m. for practices um, because our dance team, our company practices in the morning at four because obviously we're all moms and we all have jobs and things like that. So, and it's a service-based dance group. So it was a good time for us to do it. So it wouldn't get in the way of family. And, um, I was teaching fitness classes for women. Um, I was being obviously running a Uber to my kids for their football practices and dance classes and things of that nature. Um, but life was, my husband's a head football coach at Timview high school. He, um, is a teacher as well. And so football, it keeps, is in our family, obviously, if, if you know anything about football and a coach position, it, it's a family thing. Mm-hmm. And so we were all involved and really busy with that as well. And so, um, just a really active, busy family. And we're always together with our kids. I mean, our kids either will go to dance, you know, if I could take them to dance class with me, if I needed to, and Andy could take them to football, we were just always going and, um, together as a family. So a lot different than now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you also had a pretty amazing dance career too. I don't know if it was completely before kids or a little bit mixed in, but tell us just a little bit too about your dance background. Cause it's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I started dancing when I, was, when I was 10, and I always wanted to be a professional dancer. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I obviously rehearsed. I grew up in a studio. Um, my sister was my trainer. Um, and as a, I started auditioning when I was a senior in high school. And I got my first like dance gig um, as a backup dancer for Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> no um, big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome, cool experience that I was able to have and and able to do that with her at the Billboard Music Awards. And then I did um, a little bit of things with like Jennifer Love Hewitt and the back um, B2K um, movies and things like that before I started to get into having a family and wanting to settle down and change my dance career to dancing for a cause. So incredible. Yeah. Yeah, So cool. And just fun to hear your background and the things that you were driven to do, you know, in an earlier stage of life. So tell me what you remember about getting this diagnosis and kind of how that all came about. Um, well, I was sick after I had Rose, my baby, I was sick for about five months leading up to my diagnosis. And so when I got diagnosed in April, I was just like so ready to be done being sick because I had been teaching classes still and my oxygen, I just remember I could not breathe for the life of me. Like I'd be teaching a class and or trying to dance at rehearsals and I could barely finish a routine and I just end up on the ground just, and I thought, and I kept thinking, oh, it's, I'm out of shape. I just had a baby, you know, I'm postpartum, like <laughs> Just pushing it off to that. Like I was just a mom. I just had a baby. And so, um, but little did I know I was just super anemic. I had no red blood cells in me. Wow. And so I, that's the reason why I couldn't uh, breathe. Yeah. Um, but when I got diagnosed, it was like, it was a relief. It was obviously a shock because you never want to hear the words cancer, you know, and you never, you never think it's going to happen to you. Right. Um, but a part of me had a feeling, I just had a feeling that it was more than just like being sick, you know? And I think that was a tender mercy from my heavenly father. Just, 
letting me be prepared and letting me have those feelings of, I knew that it was more than what it was, what, what we thought. And my husband, I, I think he was more shocked because he didn't want to believe it. He, he's more of, he's super positive, but also doesn't, you know, we try to not think of bad things happening like that, you yeah. know? And, um, when I got diagnosed, um, actually it was right before, right before we got the final diagnosis, um, I went to my doctors and they had me, um, go back for more blood work. They had told me that they had a, they thought it was leukemia, but they wanted me to go get more blood work done first. And so as I was coming back from, um, getting more blood work, we had stopped at the grocery store because we were going to make s'mores that night. And my husband ran into the grocery store and I was sitting in my car waiting for him. And I just had this, my dad, uh, passed away seven years ago. And I just had this feeling it's like, I could hear his voice so loud in my head. And, and he just said, let's go, like, let's go. We got this. And that's kind of where the, we got this thing mm -hmm. came from on all my posts. Um, because it was my dad loud and clear in my head. Cause my dad trained me for my marathons when I used to run marathons and I could just hear him in his marathon voice. Let's go. We got this. Wow. And now we you know that just that stern dad, like, let's go to work. We're going to, we're going to get this, you know, yeah. we're going to do this. And I just had an overwhelming feeling of like, okay, like, all right, I'm not scared. And we're going to do this. Like, we got this, let's go to work. That's all my, that's like all of my feelings were like, let's go to work. Let's get this done. And, um, that was just such a tender mercy from, you know, from it's they're closer than we think, you know? Yeah. And, um, just such a strong, just a strong, tender mercy that I was able to fill my dad. And the crazy thing is, is throughout this journey, I've been able to fill him and my mom in so many different ways. And so when we got the final diagnosis right after that, that was probably an hour later, my doctor, he's a family friend. He came over to my house and told us that, you know, he was crying. He had tears in his eyes and he just said, I'm so sorry. Like your blood smear doesn't look good. And they think they, it looks like leukemia. And they want you to go to the hospital right away. Like you have to be admitted right away. Wow. And that was obviously, obviously during COVID. And he, Andy asked, am, am I able to be with her? And he said, no, you have to just drop her off at the front. You can't even go in, you know, you can't be with her. So that was hard because it was, I was, that was a month, you know, he basically, from the day I was diagnosed right then an hour later, he dropped me off at the hospital and to battle for the next 31 days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you have um, five kids. And I have five kids. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> so what did you, you know, do with your kids and your husband who's a teacher and a coach? And how did you guys even, so what know. next? The crazy, we have so many good people, you know, when things like this happen, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, life calamities is that so many people come together and serve. Yeah. And that, that is the ultimate, that's the ultimate gift. That's what we're supposed to learn here on this earth, you know, is service and being able to help one another. And because we're all brothers and sisters, and that's the beautiful thing about, you know, these kind of situations is that it brings so many people out. Yeah. So many people, strangers, you know, strangers, church members to school, school members to next door neighbors, you know, mm -hmm. so many people that come so that my, my, uh, cousin came and picked up our kids. We didn't tell our kids right away that I had cancer um, because we were, we were trying to take it in ourselves. Right. We didn't want to, I didn't want to leave them 
and have them be crying. I'd rather them be happy, you know, that they get to go to their cousin's house. So my, my cousin Nani came and picked them up and she took them for, um, the night and Andy was able to drop me off. But after that, I mean, Andy's job was really good about helping out. Well, the blood, the tender mercy about it, the blessing about it was it was during COVID. So school was actually not in at the time anyways. Okay. So that was actually a blessing because Andy didn't have to go to work. He wasn't working anyways, you know? Right. So he didn't have to take any time off. He was doing everything online. And then, um, yeah. And we had, you know, in-laws, our in-laws came and helped out with the kids and took them for a little bit. And, but yeah, you just, you can't plan for that kind of stuff, you know? And (laughs) so crazy. just depend on others and hopefully, you know, it all works out. So, yeah. So, so you said 31 days was your first stretch. So tell me what that was like. So 31 days, that's your first chemo induction. And they have you stay. I had to stay in the hospital for that 31 days because um, it was my first chemo induction. So they try to then monitor everything, you know, they monitor your, how you're how you react to everything and if you're what they need to adjust and how you're because you've never had chemo before obviously so they have to make sure that everything's gonna work out the way it's supposed to and so it was it was had its lonely moments obviously you know because I couldn't have any visitors there was no visitors allowed but my nurses made it super awesome my nurse the nurses there at the cancer cancer unit are just super amazing and just genuine and heartfelt and they love their patients and they made it super, um, just easy to be there, you know? And, um, but thank goodness for, you know, I, social media was a great outlet for me because you're never alone, you know, you're alone physically, but honestly, there's so many positives to social media and to that. There's so many people that were reaching out and looking out for me and talking to me that I never actually felt really alone, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so that's 31 days and then you were able to go home and tell me what happened next. Um, So that was 31 days. So it was May 24th, I went home. And that same day, um, I that morning, I actually... So, well, the 30 days that I was there, um, we would Zoom with my family. My brothers and I have seven brothers and sisters and my mom. And we would Zoom every single night together to because my mom, she couldn't be there with me physically. And so she, want, she wanted so bad. I'm her baby. I'm the baby of the family. Yeah. So she so badly wanted to be with me. They all live in St. George. And so that was kind of our way that we would all catch up and they wanted to know what was going on, you know, and every, and I would update everybody and let everyone know my family, what was going on. So we would zoom every single night. And the last night, um, I was there, I zoomed with my mom and it just so happened that I was the only one that got on me and my brother had got, my brother had gotten on for a little bit. My sister got on for a little bit, but everyone else was busy doing, they're working on my house. And so I was able to talk to my mom that night. And the next morning I called my mom for my scripture because every morning I would call her and she would give me a scripture, um, a special scripture. And um, I called her that morning and she didn't answer. And so I just thought, okay, well, she'll call me back. And I went and got in the shower and got ready. And my husband came to pick me up. And right when he came and picked me up, I got the news that she had passed away that morning. 
So she, um, that was, that was really, really hard. (laughs) Um, that was probably the harder than my diagnosis, obviously, because I just didn't want to believe it. I, I remember I was in the hospital room, just like crying and screaming and yelling, no, this isn't happening. No, like this isn't, this isn't real. And, um, I just remember that morning though, I was able to fill her. Like, as, like I said, I got in the shower and after I got in the shower, I could feel this overwhelming love, like happiness and joy and love Mm -hmm. around me that I just started bawling. And I thought, I thought I was crying because I was going home and I thought that's what the feeling was. But now I know, now I know that that was her, you know, now I know that that was her spirit. That was her comfort me telling me that she finally gets to be with me after all this time. And, uh, so that day I, she went back to be with my dad and I went back to be with my husband after that. So, wow. Yeah. I just can't even imagine with going through the current trial you were going through with fighting cancer to then find out that your mom had passed away. And I just think this is one of the many things that have brought, like just drawn so many people to you because you've been really real about how difficult that was, but also really determined to stay positive, to look for the good, to, you know, so, so walk me through, I guess, the next little while and what that felt like and what some of the things that you did to, to deal with everything that was going on in your life. Yeah. So, um, I'm still dealing with it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I still, I feel like it's still, I feel like it's, I, you know, it was so, everything happened so fast. Like she passed away and we had to plan a funeral right away, you know, and during COVID during COVID. And that was like my break in between chemo treatments. And then right after the funeral, I came back to, I had to go back to the hospital for more chemo. And when I do my chemo, I have to go in for like a week at a time. I have to be admitted. And so, um, and after that round of chemo, um, I, I had a lot of neurological like damage, they call it neurotoxicity, where the chemo basically damages like your nerves and your brain function to your nerves and your muscles. And so there was a time after that second round of chemo for like a month, I had to go back to, I was back in the hospital for about a month because I had to learn how to like walk and talk and, and eat and and uh, use my fine motor skills again. And I couldn't even, there was, it was so scary. Like there was a point where I couldn't even lift up my legs um, by myself because there were, there was no cord, like no coordination or no muscle in them, you know, like no function. Yeah. And so, um, which I understand now, like, I know now, like, it's funny because, you know, as sad as I am about losing my mom, you know, and her not physically being here. I get it why she had to go like, and I get that she can do more for us, you know, on the other side than she can do here in person, you know, and she can actually be with me, um, spiritually, um, in these, in these hard times. So in that moment of like me learning how to walk again, and I was using the walker and I couldn't even dance. And I mean, there were so many, so many curveballs and then COVID. I mean, after that, I went home for a little bit and then I got COVID and I had zero immune system. Like it was literally zero 
0.0. And um, I was in the hospital for another like 32 days. And I just remember feeling my mom and dad so strongly with me at so many different moments. And like another time was when my dad, I, I was laying in the bed when I had COVID and this was probably like four days I'd been there already. And they just, they weren't really treating me with anything yet because I was a pre-transplant. And so they didn't want to ruin my transplant process. Like they didn't want to ruin anything. Right. And so they didn't know how to treat me yet. And so I just, I felt my dad and he just said, it's, it's going to get worse. And like another, you know, just like that tough love dad, like that's, yeah. that was my, you know, to very tough love, like very stern, but very like, he loved you so much that he would teach you these things. And so I just remember him saying, it's going to get worse. And little, little did I know, like an hour later, the doctor came in and told me I, ha I had acute kidney failure and um, pneumonia. And I was just like, I just cried because I'm like, thanks, dad. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like comforting. It's like a comforter, you know, like when your dad tells you these things before it actually happens. Yeah. So um, I had COVID. I fought COVID for that month and that was really hard. And I, I had pneumonia for a while after that. Uh, but it's just been, it's been an up and down experience and lots of, lots of, opportunities along the way of just cancer, you know? So, um, now I'm home. I had my transplant and I'm home. Um, but I feel like now that I'm home and this is like the longest I've been home mm -hmm. <laughs> the last nine months, this is like the longest I've been home. I'm just trying to now hit like face this phase of my life, you know, of being a mom, a wife, like I'm still recovering from my transplant. So I'm not fully a hundred percent yet. Um, and, and I'm grieving still, you know, my mom totally. had a chance to grieve her and yes. Yeah. just cancer but this is seriously one of the most gnarly stories I have ever heard as far as someone having to go through trial after trial after trial and I remember so many times too like watching your stories in the hospital where you're like now I have pneumonia now I have COVID now I have now I need a transplant now I you know like it just is like one thing after another it kind of almost seemed like wow let's just kick her while she's down why don't we universe you know but yeah. I want to know what one thing that has been incredibly inspiring to me is the connection that you seem to have like with your faith and with your heavenly father, like you were saying before. And I loved what you were sharing about scripture. So I want to know what, what part of your faith has, wh what part has that played in all of this that you've been going through and are still currently going through? Oh, I will. I would say all of it, you know, um, that I don't know how, like, how would we get through these? I mean, if we didn't have faith and have the knowledge of, you know, of the plan and just knowing that, you know, all these things are for the greater good. And, you know, my brother was saying something smart the other day and, and he said, well, if we die and this is, you know, faith and all this stuff is all alive, then what, what harm did it actually do? You know, <laughs> like, right. 
it didn't do any harm at all. Like it, it helped us to have more faith. It helped us to be, you know, better moms, a better, a better person, a better sister, a better wife, a better, you know, what harm did it actually do to help us to be a better human for our brothers and sisters? And, um, I would say like, I'm just, I'm grateful for that knowledge. I'm grateful for my parents and for the foundation that they set for me and my brothers and sisters, you know, prayer is the greatest wireless connection that we have. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, you know, there's no fee, there's no wires, there's not nothing, but it's, and it's free. And he's given that us that gift. And I think that it's so important to use it and no matter what religion you are, you know, we can all pray. And, um, I know without a doubt that my fit, like I would not be the same person if it wasn't for my faith and for believing in him and having the knowledge that I have, you know, and I know my strength and my, my choosing to be positive and choosing to have a better outlook and choosing, like, those are all choices and free agency that we've been given. And, um, I know that I wouldn't be choosing that if I didn't have that, you know? Yep. Talk to me about choosing positivity on some of these really hard days. Talk to me about what that is and what it isn't and why you, why that's such a huge thing for you that you teach people and that you live by. Um, because it's what I want to be remembered by, you know, if you Mm -hmm. think about like, if you think about our legacy, we're all leaving a legacy behind. And what do you want to be remembered? How how do you want people to remember you, you know, and how do you want when you that I always think like that. And I always think I want, I want people to remember me as a happy, smiling, positive. Yes, I'm real. And yes, I share real moments in life. But at the end of the day, I'm choosing to be to shine light and to be able to choose to be a positive person. And I want people to remember me like that. I want my legacy to be not, you know, I want to be someone that was uplifting and, and that you felt good that you're around them and that they made you want to be better. And I hope, I know there's so many people in my life that have done that for me. And I hope, I just hope to give that back. That's something that I want to be able to give that back to all of those around me. Well, you are truly such a light and, and so inspiring to so many people, myself included. I will sometimes think I'm having a bad day and then I see your stories and I see, or I see a live of yours and I'm like, yep, not having, not having too bad of a day. And it reminds me to just put things into check, you know, what actually matters, what, and I feel like for me, at least in some of these really trying times, it helps ground me right back to what actually matters, Corinne. Like there's so many things that, distract us and take our attention away from the things that truly matter. And so, um, that's, it's always so inspiring and refreshing to me to hear these messages from you, but I want to know really like on, give me like what you actually, the tactical things that you do when you wake up and you're like, today sucks, unless I choose something else. Like what, how do you change your mind? How do you, what do you do? What do you do to really make that choice to be positive? Um, what do I do? Well, I, in my, I have this like thing, like before I wake up, before I get out of bed, I like talk to myself (laughs) and I talk to myself and I ask my, like, ask myself, like I have kids, you know, I have to keep living for, and I have a husband that, cause I mean, I've had my days and this week has especially been a hard week and emotionally and mentally. And 
I think that um, I have, you know, you just keep moving forward. It's minute by minute. It's hour by hour. It's day by day, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just have to keep moving forward. And for me, I have a conversation with myself. Um, I, I tell myself, I want, I want to be a happy person. I want to be positive and I want to shine light on that and want to give that away. And I think that it's important to have that time with yourself. And I have a grateful journal that I do. Obviously, I feel like a lot of people do that or, or I I've seen huge benefits in my life from having a grateful journal. Not enough people do that. It's such an awesome thing. It is awesome. And it really does change your mindset. Like Mm -hmm. I write down three things that I'm grateful for every day. I try to use my social media platforms as more of like a grateful journal as well, as well as documenting everything. Um, because I want to, I want to, I, I need that reminder, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect at it. And I want that reminder to switch my mindset to being more grateful and thinking about the things that I do have instead of the things that I don't have. And when I'm thinking about all the positive things in my life, life that I have, then it helps me to continue to work. It helps me to continue to keep moving forward. It helps me to shine and remember that I have so many good things in my life. You know, Heavenly Father has blessed me with so many good things. And this cancer journey has not been a bad thing. It's been something to help me to strengthen my testimony. It's helped me to build new relationships. I've been able to, you know, build um, more friends, like and that at the end of the day, that's all we get to take with us is our relationships yep. and our knowledge, right? Yep. Faith, so, relationships, totally. Yeah. And so how awesome is that? You know? And so a lot of people, I, I get asked that a lot, like, oh my gosh, cancer, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But it also is really awesome. Like there's dad, days that are really hard, but it, at the end, in the grand scheme of things, it is, it's been, it's been a beautiful experience. So I feel like showing gratitude and you know, writing down, actually writing down those things, which you're grateful for every single day, three things, every single day, super easy. Doesn't take a lot of time. It will help you change your mindset, help you change the way you think, help you change your mind to a more grateful mindset rather than what I don't have, you know? Yeah. And it actually is like scientifically proven when you do change that, you know, there's like a a chemical release in you that changes, that helps you to change, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really super awesome what gratitude can do to you. I love that. I love that suggestion that that it's like an actionable takeaway that if you're feeling like overwhelmed or like things aren't going well for you, that you can write down three things a day and it will totally change your mindset. I love that. I want to ask you what people in your life have done, whether they are people you know you know, personally in real life or people you've connected with online or social media, what have people done that have really helped and supported you through this time? Because I feel like more and more we know of people who are going through cancer or who are grieving or who, you know, are just going through really hard times. So what has been the most helpful to you? Um, What has been the most helpful to me has been um, so many people have reached out, have, have messaged. Obviously I get so many DMS and letters. Um, I think the most, like what's been the most helpful is just being there. I think I get that. I get asked that question a lot. Like, what can we do for someone that's going through cancer or going through, you know, a hard life situation? And I think 
just being there for someone, no matter what, even if you think they have loads of love and they have so much love around them and, oh, they have so many followers, they have so many people. And um, I think just continue to be there for them, you know, continue to write those messages, continue to DM, continue to write those letters you know, no one can ever have enough love. And I think that's been the greatest thing that I've been able to experience through this experience Yeah, is all the love from so many different people. Is there something that you can think of that like a, a particular experience or something you received that maybe on like a really hard day picked you up or helped you out? Yeah, actually, um, during COVID, I got so when it was probably a week after I had COVID, I was in the COVID unit, obviously, mm-hmm. and I couldn't dance. And on TikTok, so I love to TikTok. Mm-hmm. I I love to dance. It's fun for me. It's a fun app. Um, but I've met a lot of good friends on TikTok, and I had a really good friend, um, JT Layborn. Him and his wife, they actually started a tea a day. So they had everyone, and I, this was like a total shock to me. Like I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea that this was happening, but until the the day it happened, and he put out a big like message, video message to everybody on TikTok saying this day is going to be dedicated to Tia. Wear red for Tia because that's my favorite color. Um, eat Thai food if you have Thai food because I love Thai. Um, dance to holy Justin Bieber or dance to any song or do anything to like dedicate to Tia. And it was so cool. The outpouring love I saw from that day from the rest. It was, I mean, the love was spreading for like days and days and days, but it was so cool to see TikTok, this app just filled with like every, every for you page, every page I was going to was read for Tia day. And it was so beautiful and such at a time where I was facing COVID and I was facing cancer and I was facing pneumonia and acute kidney failure. Like I was in the downest of the downs and this like literally just brought my spirits up and helped me to fight. And when you know, the cool thing about like a community like that is like, when you know, there's so many other people fighting for you, Mm -hmm. you know, that are dancing for you. They're, they're wearing red for you. They're doing, using their talents for you. Like it just helps you and boosts you up to fight even harder. And so that's what, um, that day was just so special to me and such a cool experience and just such a cool labor of love. You know, that's so awesome. I remember that day too. I remember the, I don't, I don't even get on TikTok and I, so I was seeing people post, you know, repost things on Instagram and it was spreading on Instagram too, even though I'm not a TikTok user. And I was like, this is so awesome that you have so many people willing to just show up for you and dance for you and wear red for you. And that was super, yeah, yeah it was just a really cool thing to see so many people um, coming together to, you know, create a positive effect. And it's cool to hear too, that that really lifted your spirits and helped you feel like you had a little more fight left. So yeah, it was awesome. That is so cool. Um, what do you feel like you wish people would understand more? Like, I guess if you could go back, cause sometimes when I go through hard things and I look back and I'm like, Oh, I didn't understand this before. And now I know better, or now I understand better. What do you like? Is there something that you're like, this would help people if people would understand this a little bit more about anything that you've been through, like your cancer journey or grief or having COVID or, or being away from your family or anything. Like, what are some of those lessons that you've learned that you wish you maybe would have known before or that have been really impactful that you would hope for other people to learn? I 
would say um, a big one is enjoy today. Today is a gift. Yesterday was history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. Mm. And I think that is just so, that is, it's so true. And, you know, we're so busy going through life and we're so busy doing the things that we need to do that we forget to just enjoy the moment and to, we forget to just play and find joy and beauty in everything around us that we just, you know, sometimes we just get caught up in the hustle. And I think that just to remember to enjoy, enjoy life. Life was meant to be enjoyed, not endured. And we're supposed to enjoy the beautiful gift that we've been given. We're supposed to enjoy our families, enjoy the time. Time is so, you know, time is a gift and it's priceless. And it's something that we don't get back. Like we do not get time back. And if we were to really, you know, put that in our minds, like we don't get this moment back. So cherish it. Like, cuddle your babies as long as you possibly can, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave us one day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're not going to get that moment back. So I would say, you know, enjoy today. Today is a gift. Time is priceless. And that's, you know, that's ultimately the best gift that you can give anybody. Yeah. So what is your, what, what do you have ahead of you as far as getting to that finish line of ringing the bell? How much more do you have ahead of you that, that we can know that we can keep cheering you on and keep watching for, you know, what you're going through. Um, so right now I'm facing, I'm having like graft versus host, uh, disease symptoms. So they've been treating me for that with the steroid and with, uh, medicines. And so I'm actually going to be having like a colonoscopy endom somethingoscopy. endoscopy, um, yeah. in the next like week and a half. And so just to see where it's at and to see what they need to treat it with. Yeah. Um, but I have like 50 days until my hundred days is up to see my, where my engraftment is with my cells. Um, and then I think I have another bone marrow biopsy after that to see about, see if all my cancer cells are dead and all that stuff. So it's still a little bit of a process, but, um, we're one day at a time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then as far as like, your dance studios and, um, things that you're doing to still like where I, I just saw yesterday, you were talking about how you're able to virtually connect with your audience. So tell me about that as far as like your dance. Yes. So I can't, obviously I can't teach in studio yet. Um, with, I can't be around like groups of people. Right. And so, um, I'm teaching a virtual hip hop class. I teach it on Tuesdays at five o'clock mountain standard time. And I teach it to people all over the world. So anybody, all ages, all levels. I have moms that take the classes. I have grandmas that take the class. <laughs> I have kids that take the class. So um, I only do it once a week. I only do one um, one class a week just to kind of slowly get me into things, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's, such a, it's been such a great outlet and such a great way for me to start, you know, dancing slowly, getting back into things again and teaching Um, so it's so fun and it's, yeah, it's a blast. It's been so much fun for me to be able to do that. So cool. We'll definitely link to those resources too in the show notes. Um, I want to know too, when you ring that bell and when you, when, you know, COVID is over and your cancer journey is a little more completed, what are you looking forward to? Like, are there things that you are hoping to do or that you are like, is there something that you're kind of like, okay this is, this keeps me motivated or I'm looking forward to or excited about this. Yes. I want to take my family to Disneyland after that. Yeah. (laughs) And 
I want to take them to Hawaii. I want to take my kids to Hawaii. They've never been. Me and Andy have been one time, like for a couple of days. And we, I would love, to, I'm looking forward to just like doing a little bit of traveling after yeah. because obviously with cancer and COVID, that it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just excited to spend time and make memories with my family. So cool. Okay. I have one last question for you, Tia. And this interview has been absolutely amazing. Seriously, one of my favorites. And I've, I'm just feeling so uplifted and so grateful for your energy and your spirit and everything that you've taught me over social media. And then even just in our interview today. Um, my last question is, if there's one message that you want people to remember from this podcast episode, what do you want that one message to be? Um, prayers work. And our Heavenly Father is always there for us. I know that when we choose Him, our lives are so much more simple and easier. It takes the stress off of it. And when I'm going to challenge my young out there to make that decision to choose Him, to choose Him and to, when we choose Him, that He will always take care of us. He's bound to keep His promises. And I know that. And I truly, truly believe that. I know that he loves us. These are opportunities that our Heavenly Father has given us to help us to, to be able to learn from and to be better and to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I would say if you're in, if you're in a phase of your life where you're just not sure, I promise you, if you choose him and you pray and you use that free wireless connection, that he'll always be there for you. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you so much, Tia. This was such a gift for me to hear and to be inspired by your testimony and your experiences and your faith today. So where can people find you if they want to keep following along and become part of your um, community and keep cheering you on? Where can they find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at the Tia B. Stokes at the Tia B. Stokes or on TikTok, on at the Tia B. Stokes. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Tia B. Stokes there, um, B as in buzzing B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, but yeah, awesome. I'd love to have more family members. It's always fun. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we will link to all of those resources in the show notes. And thanks again for spending your time with me today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 